Well, I uh, am excited to start this new sermon series, but I don't know if you guys realize this or not, but there's a group of people out there that forget to celebrate Thanksgiving first before we get to Christmas. (laughs) And so I feel all this pressure to talk about Christmas already. And, uh, and so I'm going to talk about Christmas real quick. Uh, if you do not know, uh, we have three Christmas services that we are going to be doing for Christmas Eve. And it's on a Saturday this year. And so we have decided to do three Christmas Eve services, 930, 11, and another service at 130. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is the reality of it is, is there are seasons where we as disciples of Jesus can have a profound impact on the kingdom of God um, all year round, but there are certain seasons where I believe that God calls us to be intentional. There are certain seasons where God calls us to actually be on mission in an intentional way. And so what we're inviting you to do is start the process of really thinking about who are the people in your life that God has brought into your life that he's inviting you to be intentional with. Um, And what I mean by that is, would you start praying about Christmas Eve? Would you start praying about the people that you want to invite, family members that they say, I don't go to church, church isn't for me. They may even say, if I walk into a church, I'll get struck by lightning or catch on fire. We hear that a lot. And guess what? I've been in ministry for 18 years, and I have yet to experience that. So if anybody says that, you can just say, my pastor's never experienced that before. Um, And so I just want to invite you to, would you start praying? Would you start praying for those people? And would you begin the process of maybe stepping out in faith and courage to invite people, to invite people to come and experience uh, Jesus in his church on Christmas Eve? Um, So I just want to invite you to to pray about that. And I'm excited to start the Lost Art of Gratitude two-week sermon series about thankfulness. And we've actually never done a sermon series on thankfulness leading up to Thanksgiving. And so it seems fitting for us to have this conversation um, in a world that doesn't seem very grateful at times. Uh, What I am grateful for is looking back, like things are changing in a lot of good ways, in my opinion. I was at Costco yesterday, and it's been a while since I've been at Costco. And um, there was something new from the last time I was at Costco. Uh, I could actually talk to the person who was checking me out, not through a shield. And I was like, wow, like this is new. And she was like, yeah, like I can understand what you're saying and you can understand what I'm saying. And I'm like, man, I'm thankful, right? I'm thankful. And it made me think about the season that we were in when it came to social distancing. Uh, I know that when it comes to social distancing, it seems like it was so long ago, but it wasn't really that long ago. And I don't know about you, but I hated social distancing. For some of you, you're like, social distancing was the greatest thing ever. (laughs) I got to stay away from people and I got to be a hermit. And I think that all of us though would agree whether you hated social distancing or whether you enjoyed it, all of us took advantage of it in some form or fashion. Do you know like the second phase where there were people that were getting more and more irritated with social, social distancing and other people that were still loving it? All of us came to a point where you got invited to something and you were like, we should just use the social distancing thing as an excuse not to go to that thing. You all did that. Just be honest, you all did that. Um, You chose to maybe go, eh, maybe we shouldn't go to that. Um, But I just want you to think about that for just a a little bit. Um, I think that we have an ability maybe to relate 
to the story that we're going to be looking at today in a little bit in a little bit of a way i don't think we can fully empathize with the the people in the story that we're going to be reading about today but i think that we can begin to understand what isolation can do to you uh, I think that we can begin to understand what it means to potentially um, be alone and the effects of that. And I think that we're still wrestling through the effects of COVID. Would you guys agree with that? Like, I think we're still kind of wrestling with the reality of um, being isolated. The, the, the fallout of that is not fully realized yet. Um, but today we're going to be taking a look at some people in the scripture that they they experience social distancing and it's um, I guess most um, negative impact that you can experience um, people that not only were ostracized from a community but also suffered physically you may be saying who are these people um, these are people that wrestled with leprosy or had leprosy and uh, as we look at the scripture today, I just want you to just think about what they went through and what they experienced, and hopefully I can shed light on that. Luke chapter 17 is where we're going to be at this morning, verse 11. Jesus is in the midst of his ministry, and he is actually, this is towards the end part of his ministry, he's actually making his way towards Jerusalem. And if you don't know the story of the gospel, Jesus is headed to Jerusalem because he's going there to die for the sins of the world. And it says in verse 11 that as Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. And as he entered a village there, 10 men with leprosy stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And he looked at them and said, Go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus, shouting, Praise God! And he fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. And this man was a Samaritan. So Jesus asked, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Um, if you don't know what leprosy is, it's a, a condition where your skin actually breaks out into sores and is extremely contagious. Um, sometimes often would lead to death. And so this was common, uh, very common in the first century. And the Levitical law that God gave his people actually talked about this condition and what to actually do. And so you'll notice in the text that Jesus, as he enters into this village, they're outside the village. And the reason why they're outside the village is because they were told that if you have leprosy, you need to leave the community to keep it from being spread. And we find this in uh, Leviticus chapter 13. Anyone with such a defiling disease must wear torn clothes, let their hair be unkept, cover their lower part of their face, and cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as they have the disease, they remain unclean. They must live alone and they must live outside the camp. And so these, these lepers are actually doing what God's word actually says. They're outside the community. They are letting people know they are unclean and they are actually crying out to Jesus and honoring the social distancing, doing the things that they're supposed to do. Here's where it gets um, sad, discouraging, is 
there came a point in the Levitical law where the priests would need to examine the lepers because there came a point where eventually, yes, they still had leprosy, but they could actually enter in back into the community because they knew when the disease was no longer contagious. And so the hope was always to bring people back into the community. Unfortunately, the Jewish people in the first century got to a point where they essentially marginalized people that had leprosy and never allowed them back into the community. And so you can imagine the death sentence that you would feel if you had leprosy because you never really were fully welcomed back in. In fact, where um, oftentimes people would mumble things under their breath. They would tell them, what are you doing here? They treated these people horribly. And so these people that are coming to Jesus, we don't know what stage of leprosy they had, whether it was when it was really contagious or not very contagious, but we know that they're asking, would you be willing to heal me? And eventually Jesus sends them off to the priest. Did you catch that in the text? Why is Jesus doing that? Because in Leviticus chapter 13, verse 9, when anyone has a defiling skin disease, they must be brought to the priest, and the priest is to examine them. And so this is something that they would have understood that Jesus asked them to go do because they're supposed to do. And as they're going to the priest, it says in the scripture that what happens when they are healed. They're healed. And Jesus makes a pretty profound statement about that. When the one leper comes back, thanking only one, thanking and showing gratitude to Jesus, he says this, didn't I heal 10? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Why is this important? That's why I think it's important is Jesus wants his followers to be the people, to be people who actually define and are marked by praising God and showing gratitude. He wants his people, his followers, those that are following him, to be people that are marked with gratitude, that are thankful for the things that God has done for us. The most thankful people should be people that are disciples of Jesus. The people that show the most gratitude should be people that are following Jesus. And here's the reason why, is because when we understand what Jesus has done for us, we should be a people that live a life of gratitude. Because we understand all the things that God has done for us. We understand what Jesus has done for us. Where we were before we were with Jesus, and now where we are because of Jesus, and where we are going because of Jesus. We should be a people that are marked with gratitude. Especially when he heals us. Especially when he provides for us. When we don't understand gratitude, and we call ourselves a Christian... We've got a problem. We've got a problem. Because what we're actually telling the world is that we actually don't give thanks to a God that has saved us, served us, healed us, given us so much in this life. Are you with me this morning, church? Gratitude is foundational to living this life with the proper perspective. And I think that, I, I think that we can take a look and kind of begin to look at this individual leper. It says in verse 15 that one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he came back to Jesus, shouting and praising God. I think for this leper, he had the proper perspective. 
And I think that there was something that happened when he saw that he was healed. You have to imagine that this leper, as he's walking to the priest, he saw that he was healed. The rest of them noticed that they were healed. But there was this moment where the leper goes, I'm healed. And there had to have been something that entered into his brain where he went, thank you. Because the rest of them just left. But something happened into this leper's mind where his perspective was the right perspective, where as he was being healed, he recognizes the gift that was given to him and he stops. And what does the text say? He stops and he what? He goes back to Jesus and he praises God, falls at his feet and is thankful. What popped into this man's head? This is what I'm gonna just throw out there. I think it's the posture of humility. It's a posture of humility. He recognizes who Jesus is and what he's done for him. He recognizes the gift that has been given to him. And if we're going to understand anything about gratitude, it's having the proper perspective of who I am, who we are, who you are in relation to Jesus and what he's actually done for you. And when we enter into relationship with that, with that proper humility, and when we actually begin to build our whole life upon Jesus and what he's done for us, when we do start doing that, then gratitude will begin to manifest itself in our mind and in our hearts. How do I know this? Because that's what the scripture actually says. That if we want gratitude, and if we want life, and if we want peace, and we want wholeness, which I think all of us long for that, we have to grow deep with Jesus. We have to have the proper perspective that this leper had, that I've been given a gift And I'm going to build my whole life on the reality of the gift of what Jesus has done for me. I want you to take a look at this passage. This is one of my favorite passages. It's a memory passage that we've done with our kids. And I wish that I could remember the hand motions that go with this passage that I did with my kids, but I don't remember the hand motions. And so maybe next hour I'll invite my kids up and test them and see if they still have this passage. Memorize with the hand motions, okay? Colossians 2, 7. Powerful verse. Let your roots go down into him. Everybody say roots this morning. Let your roots go down into him. Let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. You want gratitude in your life? You want to be a person that's thankful? You've got to grow deep with Jesus. You have to build your life on Jesus. You have to surrender your life to Jesus. And what I would argue is the depth of your gratitude is directly tied to the depth of your humility with Jesus. The depth of your gratitude is directly tied to the depth of your humility with Jesus. Why is that? Because you understand you have the proper perspective of who you are, who Jesus is, what he's done for you, and it enters into humility. You've humbled yourself. You've realized all that's been given to you is a gift from him. The Bible says that all good things come from God. So all that's good it's been given to you is from God it is a gift and because you recognize this you walk in humility just like this leper did he recognized I've been given a gift I'm gonna go back I'm gonna say thank you I'm gonna say thank you 
Humility is a precursor to gratitude. As entitlement increases, gratitude decreases. And this is really the reality of where we're gonna stay the rest of the day. And really is the take home for all of us. Is we've gotta ask ourselves, is humility what drives me? Humility is a precursor to gratitude. If you want gratitude, you've gotta walk in humility. If you wanna kill gratitude, just be entitled. So let me ask you a couple questions. How are you doing at walking in humility? How are you doing in walking in humility? Do you grumble when you don't get your way? Or do you walk in humility and, re- and are you reminded of the things that God has done for you? Let me ask you this, for all the warriors in the, war- in the war- room, not warriors, warriors, do you worry? Worry is really a desire to control everything and desire that you believe that you can solve all the world's problems. And at the core of that, I would argue, is pride. (laughs) You aren't meant to solve all the world's problems and you aren't meant to control everything in the world. That's not the role that God has given us as human beings. He's called us to be a people that walk in humility and give the things that are his, rightfully his, and to trust the things that he has given us. So how are you doing when it comes to showing humility? That it is a precursor to gratitude that as entitlement increases, gratitude decreases. What about your walk with Jesus? Let me ask you this question. How many of you are abiding in Jesus on a regular basis? What I mean by that is, do you have a quiet time with Jesus every single day to the best of your ability? Maybe you take Saturdays and Sundays off. But how many of you guys do that? When you choose to have a quiet time with Jesus in the morning, what you are saying is, I can't do this life apart from him. What is that? That's humility. That's humility. And you understand that this life is a gift. When you get done with your quiet time and you go and eat breakfast or maybe you have breakfast and your quiet time, do you pray and say, thank you? Because there are people all across the world that are waiting and not knowing when their next meal is, correct? And we live in America where we have so much food, we throw it away. Do we walk in humility and say, thank you? When we walk into the job that's a tough job, Do we walk in and go, man, I get to work today. Even though my job might be tough, but I still get to work today. Do we have that mindset? Because here's the thing, I can tell you, talking to people that are retired and then are physically not able to work, do you know how badly they wish that they could go back and still work again? All of us, I want you to take a big, deep breath this morning. One, two, three. That is a gift. The air in your lungs, the oxygen in your lungs, your heart's still beating, it's a gift. God's given you another day, another hour, another minute. Are you thankful? Are you thankful? Do you recognize that? And I would just argue that it isn't time for us as Christians, especially in America, to realize we are blessed because we have an entitlement problem. We have an entitlement problem. 
And yet Jesus has given us so much, so much. How are you doing being grateful? Well, I just want to throw something out. All of you guys, if you don't have your phones out, I'd love for you to grab your phones. You're saying, well, we can't have our phones out in church. Yes, we can. Don't check your Facebook, okay? Good. So if you've got an iPhone, I know you can do this. I'm almost positive if you have an Android, you can do this as well. Go to your text messages. And at the top of your text message, I don't know about the Android, but I know about the iPhone, there is a search option. Does everybody have the search option on the iPhone? For the Android people, do you have a search option in your phone? Okay, good. I mean, I would hope that the Android would fall in the way of the iPhone and put a (laughs) search option. Humility and pride, right? All right, so I just want you to do this for me. In your text messages, I know this is only one channel of communication, but in your text messages, can you just type in two words of a search? You know what the two words are? Thank you. Just search. I just love for you to evaluate and ask the question, how often do you say thank you? How often do you say thank you? And if it's a lot, that's awesome. If it's not a lot, maybe something, maybe it's something the Lord has for you to think about. How often do you say thank you? And if you don't say it a lot, here's the next question. Why don't I say it a lot? Why don't I say thank you a lot? I would argue this. If you're a Christian, this should be one of the phrases that we say a lot. Why? Because it's a reflection of our heart about what we really think about what God has given us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Here's another thing for you to think about. I've noticed in my family, my children are getting older. My son is 12. My daughter is 10. And little Theo is 6, soon to be 7. And uh, we debrief with them about how their day is every day over the dinner table. We sit at the dinner table. We don't have the TV on. And we talk about how our day went. And this is what I've been noticing with my kids is they have a tendency at times to focus on the negative about how their day went. Anybody notice that with their own children? Um, I, to be honest, I'm kind of self-reflecting for myself. I'm going, you know, am I leading in that way for them? But this is what question we've been asking around the dinner table. Instead of just how is your day going, which we asked that question, but we've been asking this question, what has brought you joy today? What has brought you joy today? And there are some nights, especially when we first started this conversation, where it was quiet for a really long time. But now they're starting to recognize the things that are bringing them joy. And when you begin to recognize the things that are bringing you joy, it lends itself to humility and thankfulness. Are you with me this morning? What brought me joy today? And if nothing did... Are you recognizing the gifts that God's given you or not? Because God's given us a lot of good gifts. Are we walking in humility with those things? Or are we living in a place of entitlement? What if we lived in a a life of gratitude in all things? How would it change the way we live? Here's what I do know. 
is I'm fascinated that my kids with this question are beginning to recognize all the little gifts that God has given them and to move into a place of thankfulness, of gratitude. Um, And I'm excited to see how they continue to teach me the things that I need to be thankful for. What if we lived with our families this way? What if we sat at the dinner table, had intentional conversation about what we need to be thankful for? How would it maybe change our outlook? How would it maybe change our posture of humility? How would it maybe change the way we interact with our boss? Or that a coworker that you literally want to kill? How would it change the way you interact with them if you started looking about the things that you can be thankful for about them? How would it change the way we lead? How would it change the way we love? How would it change the community and the neighborhoods that we live in? Um, I just want you to kind of think about this as we wrap up today, this take-home slide. Humility is a precursor to gratitude and entitlement. As entitlement increases, gratitude decreases. I just want you to think about this relational spheres graphic that we refer to a lot at our church. That as we enter in relationship with Jesus, it requires humility. But as we enter in relationship with Jesus and walk in humility, gratitude increases. What about our home life? What does it look like for us to lead with gratitude at home? When was the last time you looked at your spouse and you said to them, I'm really thankful for you because of who you are, who you are, not just what you do, which that's an easy thing, right? To say thank you for what you do. Thank you for uh, cleaning the bathrooms. I was planning on doing that. You did, went and took that upon yourself. Thank you for doing the dishes. It's easy to say thank you for what people do, but what about how people are? What if you looked at your spouse and said, thank you for who you are and what you do for our family? How would that change your home? Do you think about all the failures of your spouse or do you think about the things that they do and who they are? What about your children? Are you thankful for them and who they are and how God's made them? When was the last time you looked them in the eye and you told them that? Probably would change the way they see God and the way they see you and your relationship. I already talked about work. My job's horrible. My boss can't lead anything. What if you started showing gratitude to them? that they've given you a job. They're doing the best that they know how. What if you started showing gratitude to your neighborhood, to the people that you spend time with? How would it change the environment? How would it change relationships? Here's what I would argue. I think you have the ability for people to experience heaven on earth if you're willing to walk in gratitude that heaven and earth collide here on earth if you're willing to walk in humility and gratitude. Last thing I just want to bring up is, did you notice verse 18 and 19? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this, you see that word? This foreigner. This foreigner. Why is... Why is this man a foreigner? Because he's a Samaritan. Samaritan. Which at that time, if you didn't know, Jews 
hated Samaritans because they were half Jewish. And so not only is this person a leper, but it's a Samaritan leper. And I think that Luke's trying to write this story to let us know that Jesus's heart is always for the outsider, even the Samaritan leper. That's the person that came and said, thank you. And so if you're here this morning and and you feel like an outsider, maybe you've never been a part of a church community that loves you well, you've always felt like the outsider, I wanna tell you that Jesus sees you and he loves you and he's calling on you to trust him. Maybe you haven't accepted Jesus. You are an outsider. You are a foreigner. Jesus says, if you're willing to come to me with humility, if you're willing to come to me with humility, to put me in the proper place, which is Lord of your life, I can begin the healing process in you. And some of you, maybe you've been following Jesus for a long time. Guess what? Jesus has more healing he wants to do in your life. But it's gonna require you to put him in his proper place. It's gonna require you to surrender. It's gonna require you to repent. It's gonna require you to turn away from the old way of living and to put him in his proper place, which is Lord and Savior over your life. As we get ready for communion this morning, I just want you to think about these couple things. How can, well, maybe we don't have a slide for this. I'll just say this. How can you pray and bring humility? There it is. How can you bring humility and gratitude into every sphere of your life? What do you need to start living a life of gratitude? What is your next step today? And I just want to point this out. We say this every single week here at Real Life Ministries. As we get ready to have communion, I want you to notice, while they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given, I just want you to think about this. He's, he's having a meal with his disciples, and he's giving thanks, and he says, this bread represents my body, which is broken for you. My body which is going to break for you. This, this wine that represents my blood poured out for you, Jesus is showing them what he is and what he's going to do, and he's thanking God for it. Thank you, God, that my body's gonna break, that my blood is gonna be poured out for all my friends, for all my children, and he's giving thanks. How might we walk in humility so that gratitude would increase? We would kill entitlement. Kill entitlement. So we can walk in gratitude. Let's spend some time as we get ready to take communion. If any of you want to take communion and you aren't, you didn't come prepared, you didn't grab the elements, would you just raise your hand and these amazing ladies will make sure that you get the elements this morning.